you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman hello everybody i hope you're doing well i hope you're having a great week i over here am going through some major changes we are changing where we live as you guys know we have no current plans to move anywhere specific But we are putting our house on the market, and so that's a little bit discombobulating to be downsizing all of your stuff, putting it in storage, letting people traipse in and out of your home for open houses, trying to pretend like nobody lives here when we all live here day to day. We live, we work, we, ugh, all the things. So it's been a little bit overwhelming. But all in a day's work for an interior designer, I just get to style my house every single day before I leave. And, you know, a lot has been going on business-wise too. We're going through a total rebrand. Things are looking very different than they used to. And people that we're working with, whether it's our SEO team, our copywriting team, um, just new people who are joining the fold, mastermind partners as I'm going through all these changes, they're asking me some pretty big questions. And I thought it's been a long time since I've gone back to basics with you guys. When I'm out and about, when I'm on the calls for the academy, when I am speaking with people who are interested in interior design, they all ask me, Betsy, how did you get started? Betsy, why did you decide upon interior design as a career field? And finally, after answering these questions so much in the past few weeks, I've decided why don't I share those answers with you guys? I think maybe I spoke about a few of these things on a few of the different episodes here and there, but I thought it might be nice to put everything in one spot so that way we just have more of a focused message in terms of this episode, but also um, for those of you who haven't been following since episode zero, or for those of you who forgot, or I think there are going to be stories in here that I haven't shared at all, uh, it might be a great refresh or a great learning opportunity so that you can learn about me and what the heck I'm doing. So I'm going to just take the questions that I actually got from people I'm actually working with and read them to you and then answer them. So from my SEO team, Lucy and Matt wrote me, they said, Betsy, 
What is your why? At the end of the day, why did you start Affordable Interior Design? And what do you love about serving clients? Okay. So Lucy, I started Affordable Interior Design over 17 years ago. And let me just break it down. Okay, so I moved to New York City to be an actress and an artist. And I moved here July 2001. I moved at the end of July into an apartment in the East Village with a folk singer who was two decades older than me. And I sublet one of the bedrooms in her East Village apartment. She was not particularly friendly. I thought I think she thought I was a young whippersnapper. I moved with three suitcases and my cat, and we were cordial but did not have that much in common. And so I knew when I moved here that I didn't want to be a roommate with anyone. I'm an only child. I really like my own space. I really like my own energy. And in New York City, I quickly learned after just a few weeks of being here that I did not want to be in somebody else's space. In New York City, somebody's always up in your business, whether you're on the subway and they're listening to loud music, whether you're walking down the sidewalk and they're bumping into you, when you're at a store waiting in line behind tons of people, you just can't control any environment around you in New York City when you're out and about. So when you go home and close that door, I just wanted to completely control my environment. So also it was just a short-term sublet. I just found her on Rainbow Roommates, and it was a rather random connection, and I just loved the East Village, so I signed the deal, right? Well, I was living in the East Village with Lavender. I was working at Planet Hollywood as a waitress, and we all know what happened just a few short weeks later, September 11th. Now, when September 11th happened, I didn't really know anyone in the city. I had no connections. I had no friends here when I moved, no family. I was living with a folk singer who didn't really like me uh, or didn't pay any attention to me. Let's put it that way. I was working at Planet Hollywood, but I pretty much just started and hadn't made deep connections or friendships with any of the people I was working with. And all of a sudden, this major world event happened right where I was standing in this place I just decided to call home. I just moved from Minnesota and I really had no resources. Now, no one was coming into Planet Hollywood because the world was crumbling right before our eyes and there were no tourists. And I was just really afraid. I'm sure you can imagine, but 21, alone, afraid, no job to go to, no place to be. And I had no skills. You know, they were calling for people to help, people who had had first aid experience, people who could triage, people who had a nursing background or EMT or even just something more minor than that. I had gone to theater school and art school. What did I know? How could I help? All of a sudden, The entire reason I had moved to New York City to be an actress, to be an artist, felt like a moot point. It felt ridiculous. It felt stupid. Now, I don't feel like the arts are ridiculous or stupid at all. But when the shit hits the fan, I felt like I had nothing to contribute. I felt like I didn't have skills that could meet people's needs. But I also knew that I had deeply fallen in love with New York City. I had always dreamed of moving to New York City ever since I was little, but I didn't know New York City. I hadn't actually been here, but you know, 
all the people in my family, my friends were like, Betsy, you've only been there a few weeks. Pack up your bags, come back to us. And I said, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to help this city the best way I know how. But I just didn't know how. So at night, I would wander the streets of New York City. Days too, by the way. I had nothing going on. And Lavender did not have cable. So I would wander the city just walking around aimlessly, not knowing that I was breathing in carcinogenic fumes. Uh, And I would look in people's windows because what else did I have to do? And I would see, you know, everyone was hunkered inside. I was really the only one wandering around. And I could see them inside with their family, with their friends, and maybe they had no window treatments, which is why I could see inside. Bad lighting, that blue fluorescent flickering. People were living in really expensive apartments with no artwork on the walls, bad furniture. And I had no inclination to be an interior designer at that time, but I was walking around the city and my mantra going through my head was, use me. Now, I'm not particularly religious. I do think of myself as spiritual, but I was really calling on a higher power because it was a terrifying time and so sad, just so deeply sad that I just pounded the pavement and reiterated to myself, New York City, use me. I didn't know how that would manifest. I didn't know how I could help. But fast forward, I'm working on paintings in my studio apartment that I found in Hell's Kitchen, 150 square feet. It was as wide as I am tall. I'm five foot seven. It was only five feet wide and it was only 10 feet long. I wound up moving there after staying with Lavender Grace for about a month. And I would make paintings. And in the background, I would have trading spaces um, while you were out, queer eye for the straight guy on. All of that was seeping into my brain. So one of my origin stories is that, you know, I wanted to be of use in New York City. I saw that people were living in spaces that were pretty tragic, that didn't reflect the success that they had or wouldn't feel like a safe space to me. You know, when I moved into my studio just a few short weeks after September 11th, I had no money because Planet Hollywood was not yielding in terms of there were still no tourists. So I shopped at the dollar store and fully furnished my apartment. I blinged it out. I dumpster dove for a shower curtain that became my curtains. I hand sewed everything. I really invested so much into my space because I always did. Every single space had to feel like home. And it felt pretty tragic that as I walked around, none of those spaces did. All right, that's story one. That's the story I sometimes share. The real story of why I became interior designer is somewhat linked, which you'll hear at the end. And um, I think it's very interesting. So I was out to lunch with one of my friends and mastermind buddies, Libby. She was in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses program with me, and we were celebrating our year anniversary of graduating. So she asked me, Betsy, why did you become an interior designer? And I said, Libby, I have one word for you revenge. I truly became an interior designer because of revenge. So I'm going to tell you that story and afterwards I'll share how they're linked. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? 
Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and the Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right. This is the story I, I don't think I've shared on the podcast because it's very painful and I just don't like to share it in general. But Libby thought it was content worthy. And she's like, Betsy, have you told your podcast listeners this story? And I said, I don't think so. I even started tearing up at the table, the Mexican joint in Hoboken this weekend. And it's been how many years? Over a decade since this experience. All right, here it is. I was in my studio apartment. It was shortly after September 11th. I was making paintings. I was listening to interior design TV shows in the background. I told you I met Lavender on Rainbow Roommates. Well, I met another roommate on Rainbow Roommates, a potential roommate. Uh, what was her name? It wasn't Heidi. Oh, we're Facebook friends now, but I can't recall her name at this moment. Anyway, we'll call her Heidi for now. So Heidi was a potential Rainbow Roommate, but she was living in a studio apartment and I did not want to be like on a couch or anything like that. If I couldn't get my own apartment to start in New York City, I at least needed my own room. So we did not work out as roommates, but she said, you know, I know you're not going to know anybody when you get here. Let's be friends. And I was like, great, let's be friends. So when I got here, she was very welcoming. She introduced me to all of her friends. We would have a really good time whenever we got together, even though we didn't really start connecting till well after September 11th. Well, she knew that I was a painter and she had seen my painting, seen my portfolio, and I guess she told her boss about me. Her boss was in finance. He made a lot of money, some kind of big wig, something like that. And so she told him that she was friends with an artist, and he said that he wanted to commission a painting from me. So I showed him my portfolio, and then I said, well, let me come to your apartment so I can measure for the painting, so that I can ask you about what you like, because this is a custom piece. You can get whatever you want. And he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want anything custom. I don't want to tell you what I like. I want you to just make me a really big painting so I can get laid. I was like, you know, that was not very inspiring to me as an artist. I really needed a subject matter to sort of jump off of. And so I said, you know, at least let me come measure. So he said, okay, okay. Reluctantly, he let me come to his apartment in Chelsea and I measured the wall. And then I just tried one more time, please. You know, this can be anything you want. I'm going to make this huge format painting. I really need you to at least tell me what colors you like, anything like that. No, 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 no. I just needed to get me laid. 
Well, I looked around his apartment. No furniture. No couch. I mean, I think there was like a chair. Maybe there was like an end table. It was super minimal. Of course, it had a gigantic TV, but no real furniture, certainly nothing inviting, nowhere even for this other person to sit. And I looked at him and, you know, he was being a little flippant with me by saying, Betsy, I just want to get laid. So I looked at him and I said, I could make you the most amazing painting in the world and it's still not going to get you laid. Women, when they come over, are not going to have a place to sit. They're not even going to feel invited into your living room, let alone make their way into your bedroom. Why don't I make you a sketch for a completely designed apartment and a sketch for a painting? I'll charge you the same amount to design the apartment that I would for the painting. I'll come back in a week with both these sketches and you tell me which you'd prefer. He said, okay, fair enough. So I go away, you know, and I have no interior design skills at all, but it must have seeped in through osmosis as I'm watching these TV shows. All right. So I make a sketch for each thing. I actually did it in Mac Paint. Do you guys remember Mac Paint where I made like these little rooms and sketched it out because I didn't know the first thing about any of this. I took it to him and he was very drawn to the apartment design. I guess I'd sold him on it. I guess he'd been thinking about it over time. And also the apartment design because I was so enthusiastic, included two original paintings, an original custom shelving unit. I went all out like heart and soul into that presentation. All right. He has commissioned the newly designed apartment and I start right away. Now, I don't know the first thing about interior design. I don't know the first thing about business. I have no idea how to take a client. They don't really cover the fundamentals or any business skills on those interior design shows. So I'm fumbling my way through. I'm, you know, buying all the paint. I did contract a painter. So they gave me a great recommendation at the paint store. That painter put me in touch with a carpenter who made all the custom shelves. So we got the place painted. We did the custom shelves. I recommended all the furniture. He bought that. He paid those vendors. I did this treatment on the wall behind the couch that made the wall look like leather. I hand applied butcher's wax. I did those two original paintings. I labored in this apartment. And, you know, I was going to make pennies on the dollar. I mean, it was ridiculous how much time, how much love, how much effort I spent on this apartment. When he was away at work during the day, I was there toiling with the team. I knew the doorman. We were like BFFs. I would bring him a coffee in the morning. We'd chat, all of that. So the place is complete. It looks fabulous. I'm returning with the carpenter who's going to put the custom shelves on the wall. He's built them. Now he's going to install them. And I'm going to take my final pictures. I am so excited. This is really the culmination of weeks, maybe even months. I'll have to go back in the archives of work and blood, sweat, and tears quite literally. I show up with the carpenter and the doorman's right there. And he says, Betsy, you no longer have access to the apartment. I was like, what? I've been coming here for weeks. What are you talking about? He's like, I'm sorry, Betsy. Today, he told me to deny you access. You no longer have access to the apartment. I was like, oh my gosh. So of course, I call this guy right away. He doesn't pick up. I leave a voicemail. I email. I leave 10 more voicemails. Nothing. So I asked my friend Heidi, I'm like, what is up? You know, this guy, 
we had this agreement. I have put my own money into this and to the tune of hundreds of dollars. I paid for paint samples myself. I paid for butcher's wax. I paid for all these different things. Luckily, he paid the painter and the carpenter because they knew how to run a business and they took money in advance. But I didn't know the first thing. And she said, you know what, Betsy? He got fired. He's going to have to move out of his apartment. And I don't blame him for not wanting to pay you if he's not going to live there anymore. I was like, what, Heidi? I did all this work. Even if he's going to get kicked out, he makes 60 times what I make. I did all the work. Who's to say he's got to move? He might get another job and he should pay me for the work we agreed upon. Now, she had a big old crush on this guy, which I knew from before I started the painting saga, all of that. And she did not side with me. She said, Betsy, if he's not going to live there, he really shouldn't pay. I was so mad that Heidi and I never spoke again. I don't know why we're Facebook friends. I don't even know how that happened. But long story short, he never paid me. He never paid me, nor did he reimburse me for the expenses I was out. And at this time, I was a waitress in New York City making peanuts. I think we made $3 an hour plus tips. And I was devastated. More than devastated, I was furious. At the time, I didn't know about small claims court or anything like that. So I didn't know that there was something that I could do because I did have email upon email with agreements. I just felt screwed. I felt like an idiot. I felt ashamed. And I felt like I wanted to get him. Now, I didn't know the first thing about how to get him. I mean, I'm not really going to like hire a hitman, and I'm not actually going to do anything to this person. Plus, if he's going to move out, I mean, I'm not even sure where this guy is living. I can't even camp outside his apartment building and be like, you've got to pay me. Plus, I just felt so ashamed that I hadn't done things in a more professional manner in terms of getting some payment up front or even a deposit. What was I thinking? So I said to myself, I said, Betsy, you need to learn how a real interior designer would have done this. You need to get an education in how to do this. Now, I didn't have the first aspiration, inclination to truly be an interior designer. I just wanted to know what I didn't know. What should I have done? What would have been the right course of action? How could I have not gotten screwed? How could I have turned this around? So... I went to the only interior designer I knew, Queer Eye for the Straight Guys, Tom Felicia. I Googled him after I watched the show one day, and it turned out that he had an office right in Soho. So I emailed the office in Soho, or maybe I called, I can't recall, but they told me to come by with my painting portfolio. Now at this time, all I had was my painting portfolio from college, and I had that silly Mac paint presentation I had made for that guy's apartment, which was in retrospect tragic. I show up at Tom Felicia's shaking like a leaf. I'm interviewed by one of his senior designers and right there on the spot, they hire me to be an apprentice. Little did I know, little did I know they were getting really busy because Tom's show was taking off and they were desperate for help. They were desperate for an extra pair of hands to be a gopher and run and get things. I was only the second intern that they hired at the time. So it was just me and one other gal. Later, there would be many, many more interns and I would continue to work for him for almost a year for free. And it was at that time that I got quite an interior design education. 
But the only reason I pursued that opportunity was to get revenge on this guy. And even after my tenure at Tom Felicia came to an end, I was looking inward and being like, hmm, what should I do? The whole time I had been working at Tom Felicia, I'd been bartending at night. And my friends would come into the bar and they'd say, Betsy, you are working for a famous designer. Can you help me with my apartment? And I was like, sorry, guys, unless you want to spend $16,000 on a couch, I have no connections for you. The only resources I have are high end. I was working with this high end and celebrity clientele. So I didn't know the first thing about translating this to a budget. And so while they were all asking me over the course of these nine months, I reached out to some of the interns at Tom Felicia and I said, guys, I see an opportunity here. All my friends are asking me to help them. I don't know the first thing about interior design. And you guys have been to school, the fellow interns. I was like, why don't we go into business together? Why don't we open affordable interior design so we can help our friends, we can help people just like us have a fabulous apartment who don't have the resources to spend high end, who aren't going to be using the things and people that we use at Tom Felicia, but we can take that same aesthetic, that beautiful look and translate it to low price points. And all the interns at Tom Felicia, I actually only approached two, but they said to me, no, Betsy, we love working high end. We love being flown to the Bahamas to work on an exclusive project. We love hobnobbing with celebrities. We love going to the Hamptons and installing gorgeous beach houses right on the water. And I was like, oh, you do? Because I'm from Missouri and, and I can't even fathom spending this kind of money. I don't even enjoy it. It makes my palms sweat. I'm, you know, nervous to be around these people, let alone, you know, wanting to work with them day in, day out. It's just not my jam. So ultimately, we went in different directions, and many of them continued on with Tom Felicia or went to work with other famous interior designers while I branched off and started my own little gig. Did I think even at that time it was going to be big? Did I think I was going to be an interior designer? No. I thought it would be supplemental money while I continued to paint, while I continued to act, while I continued to bartend every night, and then I'd just be pursuing something that I thought was fun. Well, after a couple of happy clients, the referral just snowballed and I became very successful and made a lot of mistakes along the way. But in order to avoid some of those mistakes, I would take the interns out for drinks or for dinner and ask them about my project, ask them how they would have done it in design school, ask them how they thought my layout should be. And then the designer at Tom Felicia would hire me as a chauffeur. So I would drive him around to the Hamptons all through the city, and I would ask him interior design questions while I was driving him to get even more of an education. And that is how I truly got started. But a couple of years after I started taking my own clients, I realized something. I realized that I had transformed about 50 apartments in just like one or two years. And as I would walk down the streets of New York City, I'd look in the windows and I'd be like, well, I've been in that building. I've designed that building. Oh, look, I was in there just the other day. And now I have designed over 2,000 spaces in New York City. And so to bring this full circle all the way back to September 11th, when I was walking down the street, looking in apartments and thinking how tragic. Now I walk down the street and look at apartments and I'm like, Oh, remember when I went there? Remember that client? I wonder how that space is doing. Oh, look over there. I used to keep a map 
that had little pinpoints of all the places that I'd worked in New York. And it was so dense. I mean, I just pulled it up and it was just like pins. You couldn't even see the street names anymore. So I truly feel like I've accomplished my goal of not only helping the people of New York City by improving their daily lives through interior design, but now I'm able to help people in Washington, D.C. with my staff there, in Long Island with my staff there, New Jersey, Connecticut. We work nationally as well as internationally. And that, my friends, is truly how I got started. That's my why. I have a really deep why, September 11th, and a longing to help the city, a longing to be of use to New Yorkers, a longing to make this city better than I found it, and then a longing to just get revenge. Those two things together were the fuel that I used to keep me going to power my engine through lots of projects, lots of mistakes, 17 years to where I am today. Thanks for listening to that origin story. I hope that some of it resonated with you. I hope that you can take a piece of it and tap into your passion and maybe even your anger and use that to create something bigger than your wildest dreams. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.